Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 165 of the podcast for February 8th, 2013. My guest today is Chris Vogel. He is the president and CEO of Compass Affiliates. I've met Chris before at uh, one of the Lean Enterprise Institute's Lean Transformation Summits, and he's doing a learning session at this year's summit, uh, which is being held March 13th and 14th in Orlando. Uh, Chris specializes in the development of lean leaders and uh, administrative lean. He has over 15 years of lean and process improvement experience. Now, he spent 15 years at Wells Fargo, where Chris uh, led and used lean to transform a division of Wells Fargo with 1,200 staff members. So in our discussion today, we'll be talking about applying lean to settings outside of manufacturing, including things like mortgage processing and the government. And I think this discussion will help reinforce the idea that you know, when it really comes down to it, lean is lean, and that lean leadership is lean leadership, regardless of the setting. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. You can go to leanblog.org slash 165 uh, for links and show notes. You can also go to leanpodcast.org. Well, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you joining us here on the podcast today. Hi, Mark, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, great. Can you start off by introducing yourself and your background, what you've been working on, and like I typically ask people, you know, how did you first get started with Lean? Sure. Um, you know, to, to kind of step back just a little bit, what I've done most of my career is led operations. So in one form or another, uh, one organization or another, I've worked as an operations leader. And as a part of that role, some of the things that I've done is also led uh, financial services groups, so people that are doing um, the financial part of a business, in addition to technology services as well. So integrating some of the program development within an organization with the operations, uh, including the development of softwares that would help people do their process work and um, other technical improvements that help the organization recognize their performance indicators and uh, information about operations as well. So including in that uh, is some work in technical testing and how testing efforts are integrated between IT operations and normal day-to-day -day operations and processing. My, uh, a lot of my work has been done, and what I'm mostly known for is the 15 years that I spent at Wells Fargo, 10 of which was integrating Lean as an umbrella for bringing tools, philosophies, concepts to our operations and integrating the efforts of all departments Horizontally, and by that I mean the IT operations, the project management operations, the daily production of work. And that daily production of work uh, that I focused on for the most part was the imaging, uh, data lifting, and integration of electronic information with the fulfillment process and servicing processes within the organization. My teams were uh, around the country, and they provided their work as a utility for the business partners inside of the organization who then utilized 
that information to reach out to customers and do the processing. Since that time, I've uh, I decided to break out and do lean in more organizations, and I formed my own company, Compass Affiliates, which now helps provide services to other organizations. I've worked with uh, another major bank in the U.S. since then, a, uh, and a lot of my work has been focused on uh, a variety of small classrooms in other organizations, but some ongoing work with the office work inside of the Food and Drug Administration, which has been another great learning opportunity for myself and for people to understand how lean is utilized in the typical, uh, the not typical manufacturing environment and how to apply it more broadly across the organization. Right. And I, I think, you know, it's always interesting to hear about the application of lean principles in areas outside of, um, you know, traditional manufacturing. And, and that includes, you know, office settings. And um, so, you know, I'm glad we're going to be able to delve into that a little bit more today. Um, so was your, I'm, I'm curious, so was your first exposure to lean, uh, did that occur while you were there in operations at Wells Fargo? It has, and uh, as, as a student of operations, I've followed the path of business process engineering and TQM and and all the other efforts, Six Sigma included, and how those apply to operations. But as we've worked inside of Wells Fargo, we had a very large, high-volume office processing environment, and we were really looking for something that would help us improve our process and lower our cost. Um, increase the, the our ability to deliver information within the organization and and as lean started to emerge after Jim Womack's book um, we thought well maybe there's something deeper here that we need to learn more about and as we explored it uh, as I explored it personally uh, it became apparent that there was a lot more to it than just waste management which is mm -hmm. what we thought it was in the beginning and uh, we saw that it was a broader umbrella of how to pull together all the different and complex parts of the organization and get them to work together. So in order to understand more and bring that expertise into the organization, I went out and found some engineers that were from manufacturing and brought them into our organization. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how those uh, some of those tools and principles might apply. And... That's really the process that we followed, uh, leaning on their expertise, leaning on our expertise within the financial industry, and then starting to find out what were the opportunities to utilize the tools, the concepts inside. And uh, it kind of took us on a path long-term of learning some, making a lot of mistakes, exploring further, trying to find expert resources to teach us more a lot of which came out of the Toyota organization and from the Lean Enterprise Institute. They were my main contact. You know, reached out to them and said, there's something we need to learn about more deeper, excuse me, about flow. Who is a good person that can help us understand more about flow? And then uh, we went to different faculty members, brought them in. They did some training. Uh, they helped train resources within the organization because we didn't want to become dependent on a, a consultant culture where we had all of the knowledge in the consultants that left with the knowledge when they 
moved out of the organization. We really wanted to become a learning organization and teach our own people. So our approach was to bring resources in, train people in our organization about the different aspects of it, and then uh, try for a period of time ourselves until we got stuck again on something, and then uh, bring resources in again to say, help us explore and learn more deeply about it. And as John Shook likes to say, uh, lean will go as deep as you want to, and we just continued down the path and uh, continued to learn and get more uh, get more knowledge and become better at different parts and, and concepts as we went. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of things that I think would be familiar themes to people in healthcare or manufacturing. You talk about some of the goals and motivations, you know, improving quality, reducing cost, improving service, working towards becoming um, a learning organization. You know, can you talk a little bit about you know, the process of introducing um, lean in these you know, non-traditional settings, how people reacted, um, what, what you found in an mm-hmm. office setting, whether it was the bank or, or maybe in your work um, with the FDA, how people react, how do you engage with them um, to, to, um, to see, or at least give it a try and then see how lean can help mm-hmm. fit in their environments? Well, and uh, that's that's an interesting question because there were a lot of key learnings for us, and most of them around communication and introducing some of these concepts was uh, hard in the beginning because we were a culture of we were a collaborative culture and a consensus culture, and in a lot of ways that's very beneficial to an organization like a financial institution because you want to make sure that. From a regulatory perspective, uh, you're very uh, thoughtful and risk-adverse as you make decisions so that you protect your clients and your customers. And what we were talking about doing was um, introducing some of these more manufacturing-oriented processes like standardized work. And standardized work often is misinterpreted. People... People believe, in, uh, in my experience in financial institutions, that good documentation is equal to standardized work. And what we found is a lot of the times is that we spent much effort on creating documentation. And, of course, uh, the nature of documentation that it is aged and falls out of play not soon after it's created because mm-hmm. the business environment is changing. So we decided that in order to stabilize our operations, we needed to have a standardized process, and that included some more strict disciplines around expected outcomes, uh, uh, management being involved directly in the process design rather than delegating it, and um, having the key performance metrics tied directly to the daily operations instead of having a monthly report or a long-lived report. And that was a, that was a bit confusing to people. That was a, you know, we were a leadership team that was trained and operated well, uh, related in, in a way of working in conference rooms and uh, looking over problems and processes in conference rooms and making decisions about strategic approaches and then using the traditional top-down approach of saying, 
picking lieutenants and sending them out to uh, make sure that this happens. And the cultural change was getting uh, management to go out onto the floor and work directly with the process in order to evolve it. And uh, in the beginning, the management team didn't really want them to do that. They mm -hmm. said, mm -hmm. uh, we're bankers. Uh, we went to school to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, we... Uh, we have skills and knowledge. We'll let people know what to do, and everything will work the way we want it to. Now that works uh, fairly well, but we know it, we knew that something could be better. And uh, in the beginning, we had to require, literally, require that our operations managers spent a certain amount of time out on the floor in the process, and that helped begin to change the culture as well, rather than doing it in the conference room. You know, as I communicated it more horizontally in the organization outside of our departmental areas, which varied based on volume between around 1,200 people and close to 2,000 people in multiple sites, and we talked about what we were doing, some of our business partners inside the organization, when they heard the word standardization, they interpreted that as uh, a constraint mm -hmm. to meeting their needs. Right. So they, they thought that uh, if we n normalized the operation and created standard processes, that they weren't going to have get the flexibility from the operational processes for immediacy when there was a problem or uh, the relationship between individuals and, that were doing the work in our operations and individuals that were uh, perhaps in the fulfillment operations so that uh, they could get their needs met. In other words, when they, they built these relationships and they said, when I need to solve a problem, I just call Jim, and Jim always takes care of the problem for me, and I don't have to worry about it working with this area. And what we said is what we want to do is have a more consistent output of our operations on an ongoing basis and have a good way of incorporating your needs. And when we have a standard operation standard process and we have a consistent output, uh, we'll be able to customize more quickly to your needs. And that mm -hmm. uh, that created some anxiety on our delivery to the customer. And so it was kind of a culture of whoever yelled the loudest got the most resources. Mm -hmm. And so my manager's phones were ringing on a regular basis based on those relationships and we would go out and redirect operations on a daily basis to try to meet those needs, which, of course, as you would expect, creates a great deal of variation in processing. So as we were able to improve and standardize our operations, those phones quieted down, mm -hmm. and the fear backed off from the organization as well. One of the other interesting things that we found is that as we improved operations significantly, so we were able to reduce costs, um, over 100%, we were able to meet our customer um, delivery requirements, so our internal business partner delivery requirements at a, at a rate over 90%, which we were much lower uh, in the beginning. And um, one of the things that we found is people said, what are you doing over there? You know, what's different? Uh, our HR group said, you know, we can't standardize how everybody does their work. Mm -hmm. you know, it would kind of be an insult to the process. But as we explained to people what we were doing and how we were going about it, we found people came on board on a regular basis. Um, 
And because of that, uh, our external, our internal business partners came to us and wanted to see what we were doing, which we were very happy to do, creating an inclusive culture. And we ended up having one of our managers in one of our operational sites, one of our main operation sites in Egan, Minnesota, become a, a part-time tour guide where the business partners would come and they would walk through the operations and see how we're running things and they would it would also help increase their confidence in our ability to meet their needs and deliver to them. I would say one of the other uh, major challenges we had was the integration of IT because mm-hmm. in, uh, in a very vertical organization whereas we know values created horizontally the and especially I think what I've experienced in finance and office work is that IT is often remotely located. Right. It's in uh, you know a separate building with a separate group of people, and you negotiate uh, with them over resources and project dollars, and the project process is really a long-term venture. So you know. Uh, six months to a year, maybe longer, on getting delivery for enhancements that improve operations. Every every time you submit a request for something, you know the the uh, budget would come back that it would be two thousand hours of development, and then we'd mm-hmm. negotiate over that. And what we wanted to do is obviously is we wanted to use the lean approach and do those small incremental enhancements right. over time, reducing a keystroke here, um, reducing a keystroke there adding a uh, rule to a field so that um, it could do a, a comparison and reduce a, a stare and compare operation, which is very, very prevalent in the financial organization. And the IT group wanted to make wholesale changes to our workflow and the integration of our workflow with other groups. So we ended up taking several people from the IT organization and uh, again, bringing them through and showing them how we're doing our operation. And once they saw what we were trying to do and how we were changing and removing waste on a daily basis, they saw how we needed to integrate their work in a smaller, more incremental way. Mm-hmm. Now, that created its own problems as it related to how do we go about that. And uh, that was an evolutionary process that went over many years uh, of creating work teams around value streams. And a value stream to us was data lifting for the wholesale mortgage division of the organization. So the paperwork coming in from an external source, us extracting information off of that, uh, sending it on to their electronic workflow systems, us digitizing the paper documents, mm-hmm. sending it to their electronic workflow as a digitized item. And um, as we created uh, about eight or nine of those different workflows for our business partners, we were able to create teams around that. A project manager, uh, an IT resource or two, uh, the couple of people from operations, uh, so a, a lean resource that would help with creating Kaizen, uh, help engineering the process, and those work teams then became accountable for each of those value streams. And at the beginning, we worked. Uh, we had to separate out which of the improvements could be short enough term uh, 
from the perspective of getting it in in a quarterly enhancement cycle with the rest of the IT operations because, as you would expect, uh, we were integrated with mortgage and integrated with Wells Fargo Financial and integrated with the bank, so we had to stay on a strict schedule for IT enhancements that allowed for integration across the organization. So we had to find out which of the small technical enhancements we could do that were localized to our area that would improve our operations and which ones were more integrated uh, strategically with the rest of the organization and then create a culture and a working groups that could separate them and then execute them on those pieces effectively so that we could continue to improve our operations while continuing to improve things more strategically for the organization. Our cycle started uh, probably on a six-month basis at the beginning. We worked our way back to a quarterly basis. We ended uh, and continue with, continued at the time I left with a 45-day cycle mm-hmm. where we could get smaller and smaller increments. And that uh. created a tighter and tighter integration with all of the resources that knew the value stream. So... Um Looking ahead to the um, the LAI Lean Transformation Summit that's coming up here in March, and, and people can find links to that if you go to leanblog.org slash 165 um, for the uh, the post for this episode, you, you can find links and, and figure out how to register. Um, Chris, can you share a little bit about the main themes for the uh, the talk and presentation that you're going to be giving at the summit? Certainly. Uh, uh, and... I, I can tie that back in a way to what we did at Wells Fargo as well and what I'm helping other organizations with right now. Uh, one of the major learnings that I had in leaving, uh, in working in Wells Fargo was that the role of leadership was crucial to the process. And often what we find, and I find now, is that there are continuous improvement professionals uh, engineering types, if you will, and project-related people, and there are staff members that are trying to do process improvement. And they often, one of their complaints is, I'm not sure my leadership team or my management group knows how to support me well in doing this. What can I do about mm-hmm. it? And one of the things that we did at hearing that inside of my own organization at Wells is we spent a lot of time educating both the management group and the executive team, uh, my executive team, around what lean is and what our role is related to lean. So when, uh, as, as a faculty member now of LEI, uh, quite a while back, uh, some of the faculty members there and the leadership at LEI said, we need to do a little more to help the executive and lead, uh, and lead manager people get involved in lean and understand their role around lean and how they can contribute and what might be different from what they do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the birth of that then was the uh, lean for uh, lean leadership for executives, which I'll be teaching down in, in uh, Tampa, or Orlando rather. And there's really kind of a couple of main themes that we look at. One is uh, how, do, uh, how do we help leaders articulate and engage in the understanding of the fundamentals of lean as well. So they've got some background. They may have heard about lean. There may be lean happening in their own organization, but what additional knowledge uh, and deeper knowledge can they gain around 
clean itself and uh, what does a lean transformation look like for the organization? How does that process work? What's their role in taking the organization to the next level, utilizing these concepts, uh, these philosophies, these tools? A couple of other things that we do is we engage leaders in uh, thinking about their business problems. So if if they're creating focus for their organization, which they do on an ongoing and daily basis, uh, if we utilize some of the philosophies, again, of lean, uh, we help them reflect on the business problem, their situation, and their role in addressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, we provide an overview of the overall learning process and program that you that you find with Lean and that is fundamental to Lean for the organization. So leaders that are looking for more information about Lean and how they can support it, and ha- they have the opportunity to reflect on their organization, their role, and the role that Lean could play in it and make choices about how they want to support their organization and growth going forward. Well, that's great. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of what, so much of what you're talking about, it sounds like at the Lean Transformation Summit and the things you talk about here in the podcast are, you know, incredibly universal. The, um, you know, the fears, as, as you articulated, that, that standardization will somehow be constraining, um, I, I like the way you summarize that. It's it's actually what allows you to be able to customize the work. That seems very transferable to healthcare, where people will say, "Ah, oh, you know, every patient is unique." I don't know if people at Wells Fargo would used to say every mortgage application uh, every is unique, but you're you're right. You know, the um, the need to customize the work is built upon having good standardized processes, and that doesn't mean 100% completely identical or constraining. So I think there's you know, some, some great lessons and, and things that are definitely very universal principles, whether it's an office, a factory, or uh, in healthcare. That's been my experience. Uh, the, the, sometimes the anxiety over standardization means that I won't be able to make my contributions as an individual because um, uh, you know, I'm trained, you trained me in this role, and now you're going to tell me how to do it and be very prescriptive about it. And actually, it's quite the opposite. All uh, And the way I explain it to people is that all we're doing is taking away the rote part of your job on a daily basis mm-hmm. and standardizing that so you have the opportunity to be involved in making the process better, making the product better. Uh, I often describe it as standardized work for driving. You know, the steering wheel, the brake, and the gas are in the same place in every car. It it is not an insult to your intelligence to have them in the same place. Quite frankly, it's a safety issue, mm-hmm. and it allows us to drive any vehicle, uh, nearly any vehicle, yeah. with some variation, <laughs> in a standard way. And it, it, we don't have to think about as we're approaching that stop sign where the brake is in the organ in 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 the car. Instead, we're thinking about other things. Uh, do I need to pick my kids up at daycare? What music do I want to put in the CD? Um, what important things do I have to do at work during the day? Uh, your foot naturally moves over to the brake when it needs to um, as you see that stop sign. So I explain it that way. Uh, we get the same kind of resistance in the beginning because people are very suspicious of this, mm-hmm. at, uh, and I've experienced that in the Food and Drug Administration. I say that every drug that comes into the Food and Drug Administration for review is unique. Of course it is. But the process for 
reviewing that is some parts of it are very standardizable. Uh, they review certain uh, statistical information about the data. They consult with different people in the organization. The way they hand work back and forth to each other, a lot of that could be standardized to take the daily administrative part of their job away and let them focus more closely on the important thing like protecting us and the public from that drugs that might be out there. Yeah, and, and I love the way you that, – that analogy is very helpful that um, you know, making – certain things routine and if you will automatic frees us up to think about more important more strategic you know kind of frees up things you know the uh, the, the higher order thinking that professionals and in, in, in so many settings are looking to do instead of uh, slogging through the details of uh, of things that are really wasteful and and, and not standardized and, and not set up well so i like the way uh, really like the way you put that but um, you know, to, to wrap up here, um, again, our guest has been Chris Vogel. He'll be speaking at the Lean Transformation Summit 2013, which is being held uh, March 13th and 14th in Orlando. And you can learn more at lean.org. Or again, if you go to leanblog.org slash 165, I'll have links to um, the summit and, and Chris's bio and, and website and um, lots of information there. But if you um, tell people verbally, for those who don't go to the website, um, how they can contact you, Chris, your organization, and uh, if they want to learn more or reach out to you. What's your website? My website is www.compassaffiliates.com. Uh, those words together. So that's it. And uh, you'll find me as a faculty member uh, at LEI, too, uh, and be able to reach me through them additionally. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.